Section 15 of Sabotage. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Sabotage by Elizabeth Gurleflin. Sabotage, a war measure. I have not given you a rigidly defined thesis on sabotage because sabotage is in the process of making. Sabotage itself is not clearly defined. Sabotage is as broad and changing as industry, as flexible as the imagination and passions of humanity. Everyday working men and women are discovering new forms of sabotage, and the stronger their rebellious imagination is the more sabotage they are going to invent, the more sabotage they are going to develop. Sabotage is not, however, a permanent weapon. Sabotage is not going to be necessary once a free society has been established. Sabotage is simply a war measure, and it will go out of existence with the war, just as the strike, the lockout, the policeman, the machine gun, the judge with his injection, and all the various weapons in the arsenals of capital and labor will go out of existence with the advent of a free society. And then someone may ask, may not this instinct for sabotage have developed too far so that one body of workers will use sabotage against another, that the railroad workers, for instance, will refuse to work for the miners unless they get exorbitant returns for labor? The difference is this. When you sabotage an employer, you are sabotaging somebody upon whom you are not interdependent. You have no relationship with him as a member of society contributing to your wants in return for your contribution. The employer is somebody who depends absolutely on the workers. Whereas the miner is one unit in a society where somebody else supplies the bread, somebody else the clothes, somebody else the shoes, and where he keeps his product in exchange for someone else and it would be suicidal for him to assume a tyrannical and monopolistic position of demanding so much for his product that the others might cut him off from any other social relations and refuse to mate with any such bargain. In other words, the miner, the railroad worker, the baker is limited in using sabotage against his fellow workers because he is interdependent on his fellow workers, whereas he is not materially interdependent on the employer for the means of subsistence. But the worker will not be swerved from his stern purpose by plural objections. To him this is not an argument, but a struggle for life. He knows freedom will come only when his class is willing and courageous enough to fight for it. He knows the risk far better than we do, but his choice is between starvation in slavery and starvation in battle. Like a spent swimmer in the sea, who can sink easily and apathetically into internal sleep, but who struggles on to grasp a straight spar, suffers but hopes in sufferings, so the worker makes his choice. His wife's worries and tears spur him forth to don his shining armor of industrial power. His child's starry eyes mirror the light of the idol to him and strengthen his determination to strike the shackles from the wrists of toil. Before the child enters the arena of industrial life, his manhood demands some rebellions against daily humiliation and intolerable exploitation. To this worker, sabotage is a shining sword. It pierces the nerve centers of capitalism, stabs at its hearts and stomachs, tears at the vitals of its economic system. It is cutting a path to freedom, to ease in production and ease in consumption. Confident in his powers, he hurls his challenge into his master's teeth. I am, I was, and I will be. I will be and lead the nations on, the last of all, your host to meet. Till on your necks, your heads, your crowns, I will plant my strong, restless feet. Avenger, liberator, judge, red battles on my path we hurled. I stretch forth my almighty arm till it revivifies the world. End of sabotage, a war measure. End of sabotage by Elizabeth Gurley Flynn.